Planning for my business used to feel like an all or nothing proposition. Either I stuck to the plan or I failed. Either I hit my goal or I went back to the drawing board. And worse, I'd get really down on myself for not being good enough to stick to my plan or achieve my goal. But here's the thing, this attitude wasn't helping me at all as a business owner or as a human. I needed a different approach. So I tried different systems, researched different software, and bought different planners. But nothing really landed with me. And I ended up getting frustrated with myself again. So I decided to build my own blueprint for planning and goal setting, an unconventional approach. I got rid of goals and I focused on commitments. I got rid of rigid plans and focused on strategic priorities and the projects I'd use to move them forward. And you know how I started to feel? Completely relieved. And for the first time, in control of where I was taking my business and how I was gonna get there. Now it's been years since I started building this system. I've improved it, I've shared it with others, and I've gathered more data. And now it's time to share it with you. The Commitment Blueprint is a 100 plus page program guide and workbook, as well as an interactive planning and project management template. It's a game changing system for giving your goals and plans structure without rigidity. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash commitment to learn more. That's explorewhatworks.com slash commitment. What works and what doesn't. Understanding what works. What works for me. Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you. This is What Works. Entrepreneurs have a reputation for having control issues. They also have a reputation for being real idea people. And what happens when you combine those two qualities? Well, it can be total chaos. I'm Sean McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores how small business owners are building stronger businesses without the shoulds and the supposed tos. Chaos can be building a system, then immediately trying to quote-unquote improve it. Chaos can be hiring up a team, but never really letting them do their jobs. Chaos can also be trying to do 10 different things all at once and juggling them all on your own. It's not easy when it feels like your life or business are in chaos. It's hard to find the space to take a mental break, let alone some time away from work. My buddy Mark Butler has been working on lessening the chaos for the last few years, and so I knew he was the perfect person to round out the series on taking a break. Mark is the founder of Let's Do the Books, as well as a CFO for seven to eight figure coaching businesses. He's generous, rigorous, super fun to hang out with, and makes for great bear bait. That's a story for another time. Mark is actively working on quieting his mind, exploring how to create the best conditions for his team members to thrive, and learning when to get the heck out of the way or else allow chaos to creep back in. 
We talk about all these things, plus how his high value for family influences the direction he's taking his work life. Strap in. Now, let's find out what works for Mark Butler. Mark Butler, welcome to What Works. Thank you, Sean McMullen. I, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about being starstruck. I'm, I am starstruck. I am, you know, I'm such a super fan of the McMullens and all of your projects. So this is like, a, it's a big deal for me to come on the What Works podcast. I'm, I'm so flattered and honored. Well, thank you. The feeling is mutual for sure. Uh, it's been way too long since we spent any time together and I'm looking forward to getting out there and taking a hike with you so we can actually spend some time together. Yes. Yes. I want that as soon as possible. So as everyone I'm imagining who's listening to this at this point knows that we're doing a series on taking a break, personal life in your business, how those things intersect and as other people will also know i'm a very big fan of sort of defining terms so that we can be on the same page because i've i know that for me what me what taking a break means i have found it means something different than it was does for other people Hmm. and i would also imagine that there are different ways of taking a break and different times you take a break so i'm curious first off what does taking a break mean to you? You know, for me, taking a break, here's how I'm thinking about it this year, this, maybe this month. You, you and Tara know me well, and you know that my brain is somewhat chaotic. Here's how I'm thinking about taking a break right now. I am trying to, I am trying to move in a direction where I take more mental breaks. I'm not for a long time now, I have not been a, an overworker in the sense that I'm at my desk at two in the morning. There was a time in my business 10 years ago where I, I definitely was, you know, 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. kind of person. That that time has passed. I, I don't seem to have the interest or the stamina for that anymore. But where I'm thinking about taking a break these days is more of a mental break. It's quieting my my mind. That's the project. Quieting your mind. Do you, is this something that you achieve with? Do you create daily space for this, or is this one of the things that's been coming up a lot? Is designing work so that you can put it out of your mind when you're not in it is when you meant when you which of these is do you mean when you're creating when you're taking mental breaks is it more which of these more kind of is in alignment with that yeah the way i'm this has been sort of the project over the last couple of years there's a there's a a a new-ish business i've started a new-ish service i've started called let's do the books Let's do the books does uh, does bookkeeping for coaches and freelancers and other kinds of uh, online businesses, course creators, these sorts of people. And let's do the books is wonderful because it's really the first business I've ever created. The first project I've ever had that runs productively without me. And in fact, Mm. uh, my team and I were just meeting. We just had our first sort of in-person meeting that we've ever had before. We all got together last week 
And one of the things that came out of our team discussion was, in all sincerity, the business does so much better when I remove myself from it. I have these amazing team members. They are focused. They are good at you know, completing steps A through Z. They understand our processes. They understand our clients. They understand me. And there have been, uh, in the last year, you know, we pointed to a couple of significant moments in the business where a ball was dropped for a client. And, you know, all businesses experience this here and there. And as we analyze some of these tough situations, we just kept noticing that the common thread, the common theme was when Mark is involved in dotting I's and crossing T's, right? bad things happen. So part of, of being able to take a break is recognizing that I have this great team, they know what to do, and when I remove myself from the day-to-day of that, they do better, they are happier, the clients have a better experience, and I don't have the opportunity to make a mess of things. And making a mess of things is, of course, I mean, I'm not being too self-critical here. My ability to make a mess of things is a great strength. It's kind of how some of my projects are born. But then once a project is up and running, it's time for me to start stepping away from it so that the mess gets tidied up and turns into a sustainable service that clients are thrilled with. So part of your question about what does it mean for me to actually create the space to take a break is it's me recognizing that I'm very good at some things, very bad at other things, and I should do the things I'm very good at, and I should get support from my team to do the things I'm very bad at, and that is now creating space for me to you know, physically like spend time elsewhere and also mentally just kind of disconnect from, well, from, from business. I know that you're an Enneagram 7, and I was going to bring this up quite a bit later, but I know one of the major qualities of an Enneagram 7 is the visionary element, and I've heard a lot of people talk about that difference between a visionary and a, not an instigator, what's the word? Integrator, Uh, probably? Integrator is the word, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that identifying which one of those things you are and being able to lean into those strengths and then back away and let let go and trust other people to take care of the integration. Um, Is that kind of... Yes, that's that's me. <laughs> that's that's what's going on. Yeah. What Did, we notice in in my team is, and with different projects I've taken on, is that, uh, and I love you. You know, you and Tara and I have geeked out on this before. I love personality tests. I love getting to know myself better through those. Enneagram is one of those that Tara was really the first one to send me down that path to say, "Hey, go." go read about this, go see if you can have some self-discovery through this, this thing called Enneagram. And when I realized or discovered that I was an Enneagram type seven, which is often called the enthusiast or, you know, we have lots of strengths and other personality tests say, you know, you're creative, you are visionary, you're great at the ideas, you're really helpful in process creation. So you can see a situation and say, let's turn this into a process. But as soon as the process exists, I need to be removed because I'm really good at helping with process creation. I am awful at process implementation and maintenance. And because I like to, because I like to innovate, 
once there's a stable process, my love of innovation will break that process because I want to I want to break something and remake it when it doesn't need to be broken. It doesn't need to be reinvented. It's great. So I need to be excused and go off to the next process to create, go off to the next innovation. Um, so that's been a really important epiphany where it's, you know, okay, you are great at being you, but when we're when we're doing implementation and maintenance, you are excused. You're not invited to that conversation or those processes. Has trusting your team been a challenge? Because yeah. like I can see, sure, to say that's easy, to say, all right, guys, I'm out of here. It's yours. When did you develop trust if you've gotten that trust now? Is this something mm-hmm. that you've had to work on? And yeah, yeah it is. It's been, it's been one of the hardest things for me. Um, any of your audience who knows about the Enneagram or happens to share my Enneagram type, the Enneagram type seven, uh, you know that we are commitment phobes. We don't like to commit. We don't like to follow through. We don't, we don't want to feel boxed in. And so to hire an employee for a long time felt like an overwhelming commitment that I just couldn't conceive of sustaining. Mm-hmm. And my poor long suffering wife over the last four years that we've been working with consistently with employees and especially over the last three years as I've really tried to commit to having a team and being an effective member of my own team. My poor long suffering wife goes on long walks with me and during many of these walks I explain to her in great detail why I need to fire the whole team. <laughs> And how, you know, I just should work on my own. I'm just better that way. And it's just, you know, and she just nods and listens. And then, you know, by the end of an hour long walk, I've, I've looped myself all the way back to. So anyway, I think I probably should fire them, but I don't know. I'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I never, you know, I never fire them. And she knows I never mean it. It's just this deep fear of commitment that over time that voice has gotten quieter and quieter and it was a there was a sort of an epiphany last week when we all got together as a team and i'm sitting there in the room with these uh these four women who work with me and i just had the thought if any one of these people quits or moves on to a new opportunity for whatever reason i am going to be gutted devastated i don't know what i'll do i guess we'll just need to close the business which is also not true but that's been the journey and what i've realized is the the longer I've held on to the idea that I can be a productive member of my own team, the more excited I am to have a team. And mm-hmm. they know me so well, they know where to sort of compartmentalize me and know when to listen to Mark and when to ignore Mark. And they ignore me a good percentage of the time as well they should. But yes, it's been it's been really difficult, but it's, where I've gotten now is I've, I've started to say, you know, figuring out how to work productively with a team is the highest paying, most rewarding work in the world. Yeah. Part of that trust that I, and we're learning, because I'm also learning how to work with a team from the place of the, as the employer, like I, I've worked with many teams before, but I wasn't, there was a different type of investment to it. I could be, there could be problems and I could be disgruntled about it and then kind of let it go. But when this feeling of ultimately the responsibility 
falling to my own shoulders, working with a team really feels really significantly different. Mm. And how much, and this is going to wrap around to, because I want to know sort of the process that you really specifically went about in creating a system in your business, in this new business where you can structure so you can be ignored and that you, things are compartmentalized. In that, how involved was your team in creating the system itself? This is, and I'm, the reason I'm curious about this is that like this, this thing of identifying that there's a role that you're not the best suited for. Another thing that I, what, and along those lines, one of the things I've been kind of working on is the idea of being that person creating systems and then to give somebody else to do them i've also sort of landed maybe i'm not the best person to create systems as well so i'm curious Mm -hmm. how much of the structure of your business was created by you and how much of it was uh, created by your team members themselves that is such a good question we're just in this i'd say in the last six months we've had a sort had of uh sort of had a, a a team discovery i i I don't remember how many months ago this was now, four or five months ago, I sat my team down. I actually held a, it was like a webinar with my team, which over, you know, for the last 15 years, I've taught tons and tons of webinars to prospective customers and to clients. And for the first time I thought, oh, I should, I should try this with my team. So I did a webinar and the, the webinar was basically titled, I guess I want to work with you all for the long term after all. Like, <laughs> and, and I had never... I had never formally said to my team, I had never really shared with them, look, uh, my brain is chaotic a lot of the time. I I keep you all all at arm's length because I'm afraid of commitment. I think of firing you all quite frequently because I'm I'm scared of being a CEO and the commitments that come with that. But here's the mental and emotional transition I might trying to make where I embrace what all of you bring to this team and I want to engage you more as a team and not as an extra set of hands for my brain. So we actually had a great discussion as a team where I said, I want your brains now. And up until then, I had created all the systems. And my team had tried to give me hints along the way. There was, there's, uh, because bookkeeping is so procedural, it's so task, it's a set of repeating tasks. I've built tools, I've learned to write some software, and I've built some software to make our processes easier. And I built this one tool that that really was helpful, but I did not consult my team as I built it. Mm. And my team is so kind and so patient that in one time in a team meeting, one of the members of my team said, hey, she's so, she's so gentle about it. She said, so, hey, uh, you know, maybe you could consult with us when you're creating these tools since we're the ones who will be using them. And she was not passive aggressive about it. I want to make sure I'm portraying her correctly. She was very kind and compassionate in the way she said this to me. And it was like, I started laughing out loud in the middle of the meeting because it was the most basic thing that she could ever say to me, but it was a major epiphany for me. Like, oh, right. I should actually talk to you before I just go off unilaterally and play and tinker and come back and say, I made you this, now use it. So that was a huge epiphany. 
and we kind of came full circle with that, where with this same tool, I'd been kind of iterating on it and tinkering it with the team. And then another member of my team said, who she's very good with tool making herself. She said, Hey, what if you just took the tool up to this specific point and then you just let me take it from there? And I was like, Oh yeah, I could do that. You have the skills. And it was, it was just this great moment. So today we're making a big transition at let's do the books where the, the experience you have as one of our clients is much is becoming much less just what came out of Mark Butler's brain. And it's becoming much more what came out of our team brain to the, even to the extent now that I have two bookkeepers on the team. The bookkeepers created our client filtering process because we're not a good fit for everybody. And I no longer have a say in who we take on as a client and who we don't. I've completely turned that over to the team. And that is scary for me. Speaking of, you know, you saying get to that point of trust. I've worked with uh, these women for three years now. And we've built that trust over that three years to the point where now when we have a team meeting and I say, hey, I noticed we had a sign up for the service, but then they seem not to have stuck what's the story? And you know, my, my lead book bookkeeper, she's like, yeah, I just, uh, I had a good conversation with them and they're just not a fit. And it was a big moment for me to say, that's revenue. You know, as a business owner, it's like, we want revenue. It, I, it was a great moment for me to be able to say, okay, I trust you. I know you, you understand us and our business and our core values and our deliverables. And if you say they're not a good fit, they're not a good fit. That's such a relief to me to know that I don't have to make those decisions by myself anymore. Wow. Yeah, that's that's big. I would imagine that she felt pretty awesome with you saying that to her as well because conveying, uh, giving that trust to somebody else. I hope she knows. I hope she feels great. I, I try to tell them, you're doing a great job. I trust you. You know, yeah, I, w- I hope they feel great because... I want them to feel great because they're doing great. You'll hear how Mark is working on helping his team members take better breaks in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. When things are always changing, it's hard to know what your customers or clients need for support. Their questions or priorities might change from week to week. So how do you create solutions to meet them where they're at and adapt to their changing needs? The best way Tara's found to embrace uncertainty when it comes to supporting the business owners she works with is by giving them an easy way to ask the questions that are on their mind. The WhatWorks team built a community that lets small business owners put their cards on the table and get the support, ideas, or feedback they need right now, no matter how quickly their goals change. They built that community on Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks makes it easy to create a responsive, member-driven support community that also hosts your online courses or group coaching programs. It's a flexible, adaptable system for helping your customers get what they need, even if their needs are constantly changing. Plus, Mighty Networks helps your members connect and support each other too. It's the perfect way to build a flexible, adaptable support system for uncertain times. See for yourself by starting your own Mighty Network today. Go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com.
it's so great to have a team like that that you can trust because we're just we oftentimes run into our own limitations where we become the thing that holds us back and that if we have people around us and we're not utilizing their eyes their opinions their experience so you have built a team that empowers others to do strategy and consulting work you've created a business that leaves room for your for you to be able to take mental breaks i'm curious what you have done or how what you're working on to give your team breaks yeah really good question this is something we've actually been talking about off and on because we do as a team we have an unlimited vacation policy Mm. Uh, the way we specifically implement that today, we know whenever people hear this recording, maybe it will change somewhere in the future, but here's how we implement it today. My team is hourly based. We're not, we're not salary based. They're all part-time and they work hourly, which makes it tricky to do paid time off because I don't want to deal with tracking PTO and sort yeah. of being like, well, you've accumulated, you've, you've accrued 26 hours of PTO and you've used 19 of those hours and I'm keeping a spreadsheet, I'm not going to do that. that there's, there's no scenario where I could be trusted to maintain that system. And I don't wanna ask them to maintain that system either. So what we've decided as a team is um, when you're gonna take time off, when you turn in your next timesheet at uh, on the 20th of the month, everybody turns in their time, you will sort of take a reasonable average of your normal work and you will add that to your time sheet as though you had worked. Mm -hmm. And I don't check on that. I don't, you know, I don't, they just turn in their time and that's how we do it. Um, And then the only other requirement is any work that they think is really important to be done while they're gone, they will ask their team members to cover them. So we have this, we have this sort of ongoing understanding between us that if she's off, we're going to absorb her work. And that has worked pretty well. Now, as is often the case, I think, with unlimited vacation policies, uh, people tend to take too little time off rather than mm-hmm. too much time off. And so I've tried, and I need to recommunicate this to the team to make sure that they're getting it and that they're doing it. We've now said we are going to do a minimum of three weeks per year where you where you use that policy and so that's the expectation at least that amount of time off per year and then as a team we all close down we close the company down uh around the middle of december each year so that ends up being an extra couple of weeks we don't we don't count that toward the three weeks that's separate so the goal is Around the 15th, we all close down. We run sort of a skeleton support system where somebody's always manning the, the ticket. If there are tickets from clients, each day somebody's checking that queue, including me, although I'm mostly useless in checking the queue because I don't really know how to solve the client's problems a lot of the time. But that's our, those are our good intentions, and I think those are really good intentions. My team has been good lately about saying, like we'll come back in January and I'll say, well, how was everybody's break? And then I'll find out that they didn't take the break completely. And then I'll say, well, 
guys, why didn't you take the break? And they'll say, well, you didn't take the break either. We know you worked. And so now we're all, we're all like, okay, we all meant to take that last half of December off, but we sort of worked a little bit. Now, how do we avoid that next year? So to answer your question, I'm trying to do a better job as a CEO of saying, we have the policy that has some good space built in for you all, but do our systems and our, and our culture actually support that policy so you're actually using it? Because I don't want it to just be lip service um, for all of us. I want you to leave your laptop at home. I don't want you to answer emails. We're, I, would, I would score us uh, maybe a B minus on that today. And we yeah. want to get closer to a B plus or an A minus. Yeah, that's interesting. That's one of the things I'm curious about immediately with that is the challenges as a business owner for me. And it's somewhat, and imagine that you're running into something similar is that when you take a break, when you take, when you walk away and you fully shut off from business for a certain period of time that you can mentally trust that you can do it. Okay. We, you're working towards that. I wonder sometimes, and it never even really even occurred to me until now that a, another team member, even an hourly part-time team member taking a break would even be challenging for them because they might not fully trust that they have so much, they're solely invested and have ownership in what's happening. We have to have systems where they too can trust that when they, I wonder, I never thought about that before. Cause now I'm going to have to reevaluate some things. It's just like, yeah, take some time off. Like I have a, I have a team member who's taking a month off here coming up and it never even occurred to me that that it would might cause her some anxiety that things would be going well because can she fully shut off while she's gone that's something i'm going right. to have to work on uh, that i think that's in a sneaky way that's some of the hardest work there is because if you've hired the right people who like their work care about their work they're going to have unless there's a great process that supports them disconnecting completely, they're going to struggle to disconnect completely. They're going to check email. They're going to check the support queue. They're going to remember that there was that one client they needed to follow up with before they left and they forgot to. So they're opening the laptop up while they're on vacation. And that's where, that's where we've got process work to do in our business to say, okay, Hey, first of all, are you taking time off? Secondly, Tell me about the quality of your time yeah. off. Did you leave your work laptop at home? Did you not check Slack or email while you were gone? How did you feel while you were gone? Did you Were you able to really decompress? This is like higher level stuff to me. I mean, I feel like when we get here, we're going to be in the top, I don't know, tiny percent of great teams. Yeah. But I want us, I want us to get there. I, it's something I think we aspire to. Yeah, that's a great aspiration. That's one of the values that I always, that I'm working towards, you know, as, as I'm defining my own business, I want to provide really good work for people. And this is, and the, this conversation, this is something that even as I'm asking you about it, I realize it's not something I've given enough consideration to. Excellent. I love it. Switching gears just a little bit. Well, for starters, so I kind of want to talk about when I first met you, you seemed like you were somewhat in sort of transition where you had before you'd been doing a lot of travel for work. And hmm. it seems like there was 
a very conscious decision for you to kind of to step away from that and redefine what you do work-wise so you could be closer to home, so you could spend more time with your family, so that you weren't gone as much as you had been. When you talk about having taking these mental breaks and having time when you are actually away from let's do the books, what are you filling that time with? Are you... <laughs> pursuing other enthusiastic visionary uh endeavors are yeah, you I mean, are are you yeah. successfully are you successfully there and present for your family i mean i'm sure you are i mean i can only imagine you being a fabulous spouse and father uh but i i'm i would like to hear what you have to say about that <laughs> well i i'm laughing because when you said that, I thought, well, yeah, I'm off making other messes. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And yeah. I'm having fun doing it. Um, there was a time where because of certain client relationships I had, I was traveling a lot. Um, I have a daughter with some special needs. She doesn't do great when I travel. It's not, it, it's a disruption to her routine and she really does better with a, with a lot of r- rigid routine. So it has been nice over the last, even pre-COVID, I was traveling much less. And uh, then, of course, with COVID, I was traveling zero. And I haven't gotten back into much travel. And I don't, I don't know that I will. Um, so I am trying to be present. I don't, I don't, once I kind of go upstairs, you know, I work in my own house. I work in my basement. Once I go upstairs, I'm pretty good about not having my laptop open after you know four or five ish and that's mm-hmm. good um my wife and i have a lunch our kids are old enough now that we can we have more freedom and we we have a lunch date pretty much pretty much daily go for walks together pretty much daily so there's just working from home and having a good team make it easy to build some of those structures into your life where i don't feel like i'm glued to my computer um and that's been really nice but see, that's an area where I want to grow too. I've, I've got a 13-year-old son and I'm watching him grow up really fast. And I've, I've been sort of on my own case lately saying, he's going to be 18 in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And why am I not making more of a focused effort to spend time with him? So I, I, have, I have a lot of work to do there. But other than that, as the team takes over more of my work, I'm noticing myself just you know, I created this thing called money school. Um, and that website is being built now. And that's a, that's sort of a group coaching experience that relates to feeling great about your finances. And I still do my, I have some CFO clients and I do some business coaching and there's, there's always something going on and sometimes it's healthy and sometimes it's not. Sometimes I think that some I, not sometimes I know that I create some of these projects just because of an unwillingness to be still. And that does take its toll where I get, I get exhausted. I wear myself out, not physically, but mentally. It's like, uh, I met, I'm, I started meeting with a new therapist a couple of weeks ago and I said, look, here's the deal with my brain. I, I think I'm an anxious person, but I'm not the type of anxious where I worry that bad things are going to happen for the most part. I'm the type of anxious where, there's 20 channels playing in my head and I like what's on all of them. And I switch between them about every 20 seconds mm-hmm. and it just wears me out. I just get so tired. And so we're trying to figure out what are some mentally tired. So what are some strategies to get me to just be still 
and enjoy enjoy the benefits of creating some of these great systems instead of saying, okay, I've created this system and I have these amazing people helping me maintain it, implement it. Now I need to practice stillness instead of necessarily going and creating another business. So that we're in the thick of that work. I, I am not a solved puzzle as it relates to mental stillness. Yeah. Hey, do you know the, um, the author and coach Barbara Scher? Have you come across her? I don't think so. No, but now I'm excited. You might want to look into her. She, unfortunately, I think she died last year or the year before, but, Mm. um, her big work was around what she called being a scanner. Um, what now some people are calling like the multi-potentialite, you know, where you are somebody who has so many interests that it will, that you wear so many hats that they actually start disrupting each other. But yet the idea of just focusing on one thing is very, that's counterintuitive to you. That's just out of your character and, and, and terrifying. It's, it's and terrifying. Deeply, it's deeply scary. The idea of focus is real focus and stillness is, is terrifying to me. Yes. <laughs> so I will, I will look up. Dr. Sure. If she's, I don't know if she's a doctor, I will look that up, but I, I don't will, know either. I will yeah, I'll, check I'll, it out. I'll consider linking those in the notes. So look at, look into her. <laughs> <laughs> so you, what's this new offer you were, t- you're talking about? You said it was business school. What did you say? Money. It's school? called money school, money school. So yeah, last fall I, I was, or like uh, kind of last winter ish, I was feeling a little bit listless and I thought I want to make something new. And I thought maybe the thing I want to make is called money school. So I, I called one of my clients who has quite a good podcast reach. And I said, can I come on your show and talk about something called money school? And she said, yeah, that sounds amazing. What is it? I said, I don't know. But now that you told me I can come on your podcast to talk about it, I'll figure out what it is. And that I made it up. And it's, it's just sort of, I've been a money guy now. I've been a CFO for kind of six and seven figure online businesses for the last seven years. And one of the benefits of doing that is not only being inside of these great companies, but it's also watching the the CEO herself, you know, watching how she's thinking, watching how she's feeling. And I've kind of gained a lot of insights about the impact of money on our thinking and how a lot of what we assume will be true when we reach certain levels of income or certain bank balances. I have a lot of evidence now that that's not true. And so I wanted to create this thing called money school to say, let me give you a slightly different perspective on money coming from my experience with working with all of these super high high earning people. And so I taught it as a six week webinar series, then turned it into a 12 week group coaching experience. And today is the last day of that 12 week group coaching experience. And then I'll probably launch another cohort after Labor Day, but it's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, Mark, is there anything else that you'd like to say along these lines? I mean, we've covered quite a bit here. What are your plans for the summer? I mean, are, are you taking a break this summer at all? I am at the moment, Sean, shopping for a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm really trying to lean into a midlife crisis right now. And a motorcycle That's... seems like a great way to do that. Uh, but I'm actually doing that because I have it, it relates to the topic of taking a break. My younger brother, who's who's maybe the person I'm closest to in the world besides my wife, he's a motorcycle guy. And for years, he's been saying, get a motorcycle, we'll, we'll go do trips together. So I'm trying to get myself to build 
more of that kind of thing in. And the motorcycle is one of the, one of the potential ways to do that. Um, so there's that trying to get some family trips going, but yeah, it should be a good summer. I, you know, you asked the question of, is there anything else I would share with people? I think the thing I would share with people, especially those people who, as they listen to me talking, they think, Oh, his brain seems a little bit like my brain. What I want to tell those people is I promise you that even though you might find it scary to focus and to create nice containers for things and then to engage other human beings and helping you maintain what's inside that container, even though you find that scary, I promise you, you cannot fathom how great it is on the other side of that fear of actually collaborating with great people and being vulnerable with them in that way and, and, and collaborating with them in that way. It's not that it ever gets so easy, but it's, I'm finding it less hard than the alternative. That would be, if we have, if we have other chaotic brains in your audience, that would be my message to them. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it sounds like that deep work is, has been really rewarding for you and has had just far reaching impacts in other areas of life as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, I don't want it to end, but this is a podcast episode uh thanks for being on thanks for having this conversation with me i really appreciate it oh thanks for inviting me to it i you know it's just uh, interacting with tara and you over the last how it's been probably five years now that i've sort of been in your world has been one of the great highlights of my online career over the last decade so it's yeah it's an honor to be here and i'm, I'm so flattered all righty We'll make sure to include in our show notes all of the places where people can find you. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Sean. To my mind, Mark has his priorities in the right place. He loves to work his butt off, but doesn't do that at the cost of more important things in his life. His family, his church, and his own mental well-being. I am inspired by how he is constantly striving for greater self-awareness and how he is the first to own up to his own shortcomings, his need for an outside perspective, and the willingness to support a team to facilitate that. Find out more about Mark Butler and Let's Do the Books at letsdothebooks.com. Next week, Tara returns to the podcast studio for an interview with Brittany Berger, the founder of Work Brighter, a platform designed to help disabled, chronically ill, and neurodivergent people work brighter, not just smarter. In fact, all next month, Tara is talking with other neurodivergent business owners about how they leverage their own unique strengths in surprising ways. And dear listener, if you have enjoyed my stint as host for What Works, let us know. I might be convinced to make a return appearance. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is the dancing queen, Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is winner takes it all, Emily Kelduff. And this episode was edited by the name of the game, Marty Seafelds. <laughs>